All right. We are continuing in our series, Kingdom Seekers. Uh, and uh, I know that, and I appreciate you guys, your, your grace. And I, I challenge you guys to be reading Matthew's five through, Matthew 5 through 7. Uh, we've kind of been jumping uh, around back and forth. And we're going to actually jump back a little bit uh, today. And Pastor Barbie has an excellent word, especially given the topic. Would you welcome Pastor Barbie? <laughs> Well, good morning out there. <laughs> um, I love, i tell you what, I got tickled earlier. I was thinking about, um, it's June, and this year we are studying the book of Matthew. And there's just something about the fact that it, we're in the book, still in the book of Matthew, it's June, and we're still in the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> that just tells me there's a lot of good information that we need in the Word. And maybe the Lord will just keep taking us and reiterating it until we start actually doing what we read. Oh, is my mic on? <laughs> I'm excited about the word today. We're going to stand up. We're going to read three small portions from this passage of scripture, and then we are going to jump in and see what God has to say. So if you would stand and join me for a second. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Cut down a couple of verses. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. Down a couple more verses. Again, you have heard it said to the people long ago, do not break your oath but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. And finally, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the parameters that it puts on our life. I thank you, Lord, that there's so much freedom within your boundaries. I thank you that there's so much peace within those places that you lay out for us. So, Father, I pray that that is what we would grab hold of today, the peace that the truth brings in our life. I thank you, Lord, that you are all about instructing your people. You're all about loving your children with discipline. So, Father, I ask that you cover this time. Let the Holy Holy Spirit have his way. I pray that my stuff fall and be forgotten and your stand and produce fruit in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I love uh, what Jesus does in this. You know, Jesus did not come to do away with the law, but he came to fulfill the law. And so when we begin to read this, I purposely put that you have heard it said, you have heard it said, Again, you have heard it said, every time he says that, he's talking about making reference to the law. And he is assuming that the people within the sound of his voice know the law because that's what they live their lives according to. And as is Jesus' way, he fulfills the law and then he comes and takes these things that were outward acts. Because a lot of what the law was, it was, you know, go wash seven times and go do this and go outside the camp. And, you know, you can take three cows and this. It was a whole lot of do's. 
And a lot of them, or most of them, were external. They were acts. And Jesus, because of who he is and the work that he is doing, he takes it from the external act of adultery or divorce or oath-making, and he takes it to an internal and begins to check the motivations of our heart and goes, let's look at the orientations of the hearts of the people because it's the orientation of the heart. It's the motivations on the inside that lead us toward the acts, whether they be good or whether they be bad, they are birthed somewhere in the depths of who we are. And so Jesus begins to address these things. I felt very strongly that the Lord would have me share with you one passage of scripture going in, because these are sensitive subjects. I mean, seriously, last time it was murder. This time is, <laughs> I'm going to, I think I'm going to go back to blessed, happy, and to be envied are those. <laughs> but Romans tells us, I believe it's Romans 8. I think it's so important. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his son. God did by sending his son. All of these things that we have tried to conquer in our flesh and we have not been really good at, God sent his son. And the freedom that comes, I want you to know as we go into these things today, there is now therefore no condemnation. We have all walked through hard places. We have all experienced hard. Uh, Hard things, and there are people in here who are divorced. There are people who've walked through adultery. There are people who have walked through all of these things, and I want you to know that that was yesterday. Today, God's mercies met you full face. Today, you got a mulligan in golf terms. Today, you get a do-over, and we get to start where we are right now and let God do something different in our life. The very first thing we find out there is he begins to talk about not committing adultery. And I love that he says, you have heard it said. That is basically going, I know that you know this. I know that you know this. You're not supposed to commit adultery. Even people who don't go to church know this. <laughs> you know, people who stand before a, a judge or a preacher and they make vows to one another, part of that vow is that we will be faithful to one another. We get that. And when, when Jesus says, I know that you've heard this, but I'm gonna tell you, let's take it a little bit further. Because see, Jesus doesn't just deal with the outward acts. Jesus goes to the heart of it. And Jesus doesn't just deal with the symptoms. He goes to the core of the disease. And the core of the disease in this particular instance is lust. And if you look at the scriptures, it, uh, when he begins to say, you know, if you look on a woman with lust, I want to add to that, women, if you look on a man with lust, because it's getting pretty equal these days, in my opinion. It isn't like only the men are doing these things. So I think it's entirely appropriate to go, women, I'm talking to you too, because sometimes when we get into these chapters, the women will tune out. But I have just as many women in my office as I'll just leave it there. I'll just leave it there. God is correcting all of us and God is calling all of us higher. It used to be, it's, it's interesting to me, that, uh, in the Message Bible it says a heart can be corrupted quicker than, than the flesh. 
Why does it say that? It says that because everything begins there. It begins there in our heart, and then it travels up to our mind, and we begin to ponder on these things that we shouldn't be pondering. And an unrestrained heart and an unrestrained mind cause us to do things that we would never do if we were in our right minds and if our hearts had been restrained. Interestingly, I was thinking about this period of time when all of this was written and when Jesus was sharing this, and I was thinking, you know, I just wonder for a moment if he was thinking about David standing over on a rooftop looking over at Bathsheba, or if he was looking at 2023 when lust is a business. I wonder what he was looking at, if he, if he could see, you know, that, that today we have the opportunity. You know, I think... I have a lot of naivete to go, you know, well, people just stumble into these things sometimes or, or you see somebody or you think something that you shouldn't think and, and you take that thought captive and you move forward, but it doesn't always work that way. Now there's an active pursuit. It's on your phone. It's on your computer that, that, that nurturing the lust. And I'm not just talking about sexual immorality. I'm talking about, oh, I want that. Oh, I need two of those. Oh, they've got three of those, so I need a new one. You know, just this constant desire for more. And God's going, you know, check that. This is a hard issue, this constant need for something beyond what I've already blessed you with, whether it's your wife or it's your home or your car, whatever it is to go, can we ever just be happy and satisfied with what God has given us? We made vows to one another. You make vows to one another. And, and guys, I know this is a tough subject. I know this is a tough subject, but Jesus knew it when he wrote it. And as I was pondering this, I'm like, Lord, how do you rein it in when, when you've gone so far down on a path with your mind or with your spirit and you've gone from a foothold to a stronghold maybe in some of these lust areas. Scripture is so plain. Scripture is so clear. He took me to Psalm 119. I said, Lord, this is just, you know, it's all around us, Lord. It's on it's the movies we watch. Everything has this potential to hit this barb in our spirit. And, and he took me to Psalm 119 and it says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? The King James says, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with my whole heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Tell you what, what guys, this word of God that's your safe place. The Word of God will keep you. It will set parameters on your life. It will correct you. I'm telling you, there is so much life in it, even, even just to pick up the Word and read this small portion. It just, there's something, man, it triggers in your spirit. It triggers truth on the inside of you. You cannot sit down and get into the Word and really get into the word and ponder what it says and, and stand up unchanged. Because the word of God does that. It, it's, a, it's alive and it's active and it's sharp and it does what it's sent to do. Then we have James 4, 7. It says, if you're struggling here, it says, submit yourself unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. God's not a man that he should lie. If he says, 
if you will submit yourself to him, if you will ground yourself in the word, when you are tempted and you want to go this way and you know the enemy's luring you this way, man, run to the word, run to the truth, run to your father, seek out the Holy Spirit, bow before him. What does it mean? You know, so many people will quote, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But if you don't do the first part, you don't have a prayer of doing the second part because it's only in submitting yourself to God. It's only in, uh, this is the only way I know to do this, guys, and this is the truth. The only way I know to do this is I will, I will get on my knees or I will get on my face in my office because sometimes I just need to make my flesh bow. Sometimes there's an outward act that, that promotes an inner movement and I will just get before the Lord and I will, you know, God, I'm struggling. Whatever it might be, God, I'm in a battle. God, this person is mad at me. Whatever it is to go, God, I need you. I need you. So God, I'm coming under your hand. I'm submitting to you in this. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. God, I'm going to stay grounded in your word. I'm going to stay grounded in your truth. And I'm trusting, Lord, when I stand up from this place, I'm going to have more strength than when I laid down. Submit yourself to the Lord. Then resist the enemy and watch him flee. God is faithful. He will do what he says he's going to do. I find it uh, kind of interesting. Well, no, I don't because he's just so smart. It's interesting that his sequence would be from adultery to divorce. Well, that's what happens most of the time. You know, most of the time, this is the end result. When you see a couple or a family going through this, a lot of times that's the result. But can I tell you something? It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. I have seen God heal marriages that have been shattered to the point that we in our human minds would go, there's no recovery from this. Oh, but God. Oh, but God. And wherever you are, whatever situation you're in, I, I want you to know that you have an oh, but God. You have a God who can intervene, who can help you. You know, I thought it was a little interesting when it says, you have heard it said, you know, to give your wife a certificate of divorce. And I'm thinking, okay, why? Why would that even matter? You know, what were they doing beforehand? Well, you know what they were doing beforehand is this thing is called triple talaq. And Indian Islam still practice this up until 2019. And there is still a little, so, well, there's still, actually still quite a bit of controversy over it. Triple talaq is an instant divorce. And if you say it three times, they got to where they would, the reason that it went before their courts is because people were texting it to their wives. Anyway, no ideas, quit writing this down. Um, it, triple talaq, and it, you would say, I divorce thee. I divorce thee. I divorced thee. When my mom found out about this, she decided to add a twirl to it. And uh, so when she would get mad at her husband, she'd be like, I divorced thee. I divorced thee. <laughs> okay, I got to stop before I divorce someone. And, and then she would open her eyes like he was going to magically disappear or something. I really didn't have the heart to tell her that that law only applied to men and that she was still married. And so, you know, I'd let her be happy for a few minutes and I'd be like, mom, you're still married. And, uh... But this would precipitate 
Jesus saying, you've heard it said, give them a certificate of divorce because these women would be out there and because it had just been spoken to them three times, they could tell somebody they were divorced, but there was no proof they were divorced. And so uh, he was allowing them something to at least go, all right, this is where this is. And I just found that super interesting triple to lock. People are gonna go home and look that up because that's still the thing. You know what? It only passed in their, what would be the equivalent of their Supreme Court, it was a three to two vote. And it only passed by one vote. And this was in 2019. And there's still a lot of people who practice this. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I'm just telling you, you know what guys, just because something is legal doesn't mean it is right. Just because something's legal doesn't mean that it's right. Now, I have to tell you something. I come from a divorced home. My dad loved marriage. He loved it so much, he did it five times. And <laughs> I come from a broken home, but that's, <laughs> and a lot of you, if I were to ask for a raising of hands, a lot of you come from broken homes. When I was a kid, that was a really big deal. I remember my calling my best friend on the house phone. And for y'all that don't know, a house phone, is <laughs> it's got these things and you turn circles with them and it does numbers, and it hangs on your wall and your mother pulls it out from under your door if it's late at night. Um, I remember calling her and going, Jan, my parents are getting a divorce. And I just remember going, why? Why? And I remember in that moment, I was about 10 years old, and I remember thinking, she's not going to be my friend anymore because my parents are divorced. It's not like that anymore. Now the strange thing is you go, my parents have been married for 40 years. And they're like, what? Why? <laughs> it's completely different now. People are more shocked by families that stay together than families that, that break down. Let me say this to you guys. It doesn't matter to me whether you are on your first marriage or your fifth marriage. That was yesterday. Today we get the opportunity to know the truth and today we get the opportunity to step into that grace space in God and become the men and women of our word that he's called us to be. Because see, that's all this is. All of this is about integrity. This is about doing what we say we're gonna do and finishing what we start, being where we say we're gonna be. All of those things, that committed heart, because that's who God is. And that's why it's so important. You know why marriages, marriages are supposed to be a type and shadow of the, the relationship between the groom and his bride. And so, you know, never in scriptures do we hear him say he hates divorced people. It says he hates divorce. I can tell you as a child of divorce, I know, I, I, I feel like I know why he hates it. He hates it because it broke my mom's heart. It shattered us kids. It divided the grandparents. The friends had to choose a side and the ripples of pain just went on and on and on. And that was never God's design for us. I think it's also very important, this primary pivotal relationship relationship in our lives, our marriages. These are things that 
when unfaithfulness happens there or, or brokenness happens there, it's so hard for us to grab hold of that pivotal primary spiritual relationship and not apply those same attributes. He was unfaithful, so maybe he is. He promised me this or she promised me this, so maybe nothing is quite true. And we question those things. And God's going, I just want you to be whole. I want you to know that my love is unconditional, that I will never leave you or forsake you. I want you to know that I am enthralled by your beauty, that that's who God is. And so when God puts together marriages, it isn't just so you can be happy and you found that person. It's because he's trying to teach us something. He's trying to show us something about his character that matters. Guys, fight for your family. If you are in a moment, a place in time right now where you are questioning triple to lack, <laughs> I know somebody back there is going, I wonder if it works if I just do it mentally. And uh, guys, fight for your family. They're worth it. Fight for your family. You don't know. You don't know the people that sit on my sofa going, I wish, I just wish I could go back. I wish I hadn't done that. I wish that I could change that. And you can't change it. Sometimes it's done. Fight. Ask for help. Get whatever. So if it does dissolve, if it does break, at least you know you've done everything you can do with the power of God to fight for your family and fight for your marriage. It's worth it. Tell you what, I have been so blessed. I have had uh, 40 years with Hal Laughlin. (laughs) I know. Actually, 41 and a half, but the first year and a half, we were, I wouldn't trade him for anything. And can I tell you something? These are the good years. So many people don't get to these. So many people don't know that the reason they call them golden years is because they really are. There's something quite beautiful about knowing that your children are okay and they're prospering and they've started their families and they can come see you and go home. And they can do all of these things and and you get to sit on the sofa with your husband and 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 watch a music documentary and just laugh and remember the old days as much as you can remember them and uh, man i wouldn't trade it for anything but you know what there were times in our marriage where we had to fight you had to fight and you had to get up and do it again and get up and do it again because you committed to each other you made the vows to each other you promised to each other honor those things god honors those things god honors the things that you say and that leads us to this final one you know I told y'all last time, my mom always, uh, we weren't allowed to call each other fools. I don't understand that. But we weren't allowed to call each other a fool because in the word it talks about don't call each other, don't call someone a fool because you're in danger of hellfire. Well, you only have to say that like one time to a five-year-old, <laughs> you know, stop that or you're going to hell. And, and, and it's a little strong. Parenting was a little different back then. <laughs> Soft parenting was not a thing. And, uh, and I just remember you just, you would stop yourself. You would not, even if you're thinking it, you would stop yourself and you wouldn't say it. 
This is one of those passages of scripture that held the same weight. We were not allowed to use the words, I swear. Boys to men, that would have been, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we weren't allowed to use it because mama would say, you don't have the, wor- the, the strength and the power or the authority to back up a swear. And you know, one of the things back then, mama took the scriptures literally. She, if it said, don't do this, That's what she taught us. You don't do it. If it says don't swear, you don't swear. You don't say I swear. She took it literally, and it kind of gets my heart these days that we have interpreted and expounded on and gone on and reinterpreted and redone the scriptures so much to make them palatable that they've lost some of the th- uh, power and authority of the original text. The original text says, do not commit adultery. That's pretty self-explanatory, but we can teach on it for days. When one sin, it really suffices if you're being obedient to the Lord. Jesus goes on and says, don't even make an oath. Don't even make an oath. Listen to this. This makes me laugh because I know people like this. Don't shout their names out as I'm sharing it. In the Message Bible, this passage says, don't say anything you don't mean. This counsel is embedded deep in our traditions. You only make things worse when you lay down a smoke screen of pious talk. You say, I'll pray for you but you never do it. Or you say, God be with you, and you don't mean it. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. In making your speech sound more religious, it becomes less true. In making your speech sound more religious, it becomes less true. Then it says, just say yes, just say no. Just say yes, just say no. My papa used to say, if a man's word ain't no good, I don't need his signature. You know, and and honestly, if what I tell you isn't true, me signing a piece of paper isn't gonna change anything. God has called us to be faithful. God has called us to be true to our word because that is who he is. Scripture tells us that God watches over his word to perform it. Somehow, along the way, I missed the fact that we are supposed to be like that. We are supposed to watch over our word to perform it too. And his word tells me that according to his character and who he is, that that the word that he sends out will not return to him void but will accomplish everything that he sends it to do, our words are supposed to accomplish what they are sent to do. It also tells us that he is a God who, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And when you begin a good work, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a membership in the body, whether you've joined this, when you begin it, finish strong. Do what you say you're going to do. Well, let people count on you. When you make a commitment, they don't have to wonder, well, I wonder if they're going to be here, or I wonder if they're going to be here on time, or 
<laughs> Unintentional wound. Um, scripture also says faithful are the wounds of a friend. <laughs> and I count myself your friend. God is calling us not to just go, you know not to do these things. You know not to commit adultery. You know that lust is, can be an issue in your life. You know that when you say these things, you, when you say something, you're supposed to keep your word. God is calling us higher. I'm gonna get the worship team out here if I could. But I knew going into this, because we've all been on some journeys. We've all been down some roads. We've all made some mistakes and we've all burned some bridges and made some messes. And the last thing I believe that the Lord wanted from today is for us to walk away in condemnation and go, well, I'm divorced. I don't care, first or fifth, start now. Start now in your faithful journey. And so as I was reading that and I was thinking about, Lord, I don't want anybody to walk out like I just got trashed because I have been made mistakes in my life and I have sinned in my life. You know what? We got to quit calling them mistakes. The word says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't have an issue. We sin. <laughs> God's committed to forgiving our sin, committed to moving us forward. And he reminded me, well, I gotta find it. He reminded me, I had a dream a long time ago. And in the dream, I was sitting in a classroom and the enemy was accusing me. And he was listing everything that I had messed up on, on a blackboard across the front of this room. And I woke up and I wrote this, and I want you to know that this is you too. A blackboard set before me, Satan scribbled every sin, highlighting wretched moments when the victory fell to him. A mocking laugh upon his lips, his hands twisting in glee, writing, writing, never resting, and his words accusing me. Remember this one, little fool? Oh, you are bad indeed. And this one here, the gnarled finger pointed. Yes, this one planted seeds. See your life, pitiful you. You'll never get it right. Oh, look right here, warrior. You didn't even fight. Come a splintering of wood. The classroom door falls to the ground. A booming voice fair shakes the walls and a roaring outraged sound. How dare you assume to speak? This one belongs to me. Be gone, foul one. Your works are undone. And come on, small one, just follow me. Before my very eyes, accusing words begin to fade. His breath upon the board erased each mistake that I had made. Each and every vile thing the creature had thrown at me was covered by a crimson flow that brought me to my knees. Gratitude overwhelmed me as his hand lay on my head. Your past can be a jailer, child. Let my love free you instead. I turned to look upon the boards and my heart did melt within for written in that crimson flow was child, begin again. Child, begin again. Today, we get to step over into that place where we do what we say we're gonna do with the help of God, where we uh, function in integrity 
where we begin to look more and more like our Father every single day. That's the opportunity we have today. We are gonna step into worship for just a minute. If those who were going to pray with people would come forward. I'm gonna invite everyone to stand, but I'm gonna invite you. You don't have to. When you see people walking up for prayer, it doesn't mean they've done one of these things. I want you to know that people are here to pray for you. If today is the day where you want to begin again, to start over, to get that mulligan, let somebody pray with you because the enemy loves to bring up your past and God wants to remind you about the future he has for you. Go ahead.